And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast on The Athletic. Bill Landis joined by Ari Wasserman and we're let me do math. 40, 50 something hours from kickoff. How far? Nice try, How many Mark. hours are in a day? Uh, I think we're 72 away from kickoff. It's Thursday. It's not. For the, for the, the magic of podcasting, this is a Thursday. Oh, yeah. You is. and I are talking on a Wednesday, but through the magic <laughs> of podcasting, this is a Thursday. And Ohio State opens its season on Saturday uh, against Nebraska at noon. We're going to give our picks for that game on this episode. We've got a special guest on this episode of 4 to 6 with A&B. Five-star defensive end in Ohio State's class of 2021, Jack Sawyer, will join us. We're going to talk about the Buckeye Bash. That's what they're calling it, right? The, the summer recruits are coming into town this weekend, and they can't officially visit Ohio State, but they're going to hang out near Ohio State and all be in town together to watch Ohio State play its season opener, get to know each other a little bit. I think some important folks who aren't in the class, at least one important folk who's not in the class, is going to be here too, so maybe they can try to swing a commitment out of that. We'll talk to Jack about all that, but before we do – our picks in the conversation with Jack. We're going to do a little bit of subscriber Q&A, subscriber mailbag. Again, uh, you can subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you $1 per month. You can ask us questions. You can leave questions via Apple five-star reviews. Ari, are you ready? This is a jam-packed episode, Bill. It's very jam-packed. Not a lot of time it's, for it, grab-ass. We're in the, well, there's always time for grab-ass. We're in the season now, man. Things are happening. Yeah. Feels good. All right, let's go. Our pets' heads are falling off. 
All right. Uh, Aiden K., our main man, asked 75 questions. We picked one of them. Sorry, Aiden, but we're only using one of your questions. Actually, well, this is technically two questions for Aiden because his first question was, have you heard from the Jets? Have you heard from the Jets? I tweeted that about Trevor Lawrence, and it got some pretty good uh, recognizability, so we appreciate you listening. Um, he's definitely heard from the Jets, I think. It's a quick tangent off that. New York Jets writers are like calling Dabo Swinney's press conferences and asking questions about Trevor Lawrence, and I'm trying to figure out if that's going to happen with Justin Fields this year. Which uh, team would it be? Uh, it's always the, the Falcons. Jets. It's always the Jets. The Falcons or maybe Washington, the football teams. Yeah, that's never really happened with any of the other prospects that went in the top five, but I guess it's always different with the quarterback. Yeah. I don't think Jerry Emig would let that happen, but we'll see. It's a hard Zoom call to get into. It's like getting into an exclusive nightclub. Question from Aiden was, in all seriousness, are Trey Sermon and Master Teague a collective upgrade over J.K. Dobbins? Sermon is a better blocker and a pass catcher, while Teague seems to have more speed and power. And then he says, also, consider this me trademarking it, the biblical backfield before people take it, because they call Trey Sermon the preacher man, and Master Teague is a literal pre- literal preacher man. So I like that nickname, Biblical Backfield. Yeah, that is pretty good. That is, yeah, that's not bad. What do you think? Can the, can the pair be better than J.K. Dobbins, or even like as good as J.K. Dobbins? If one person does one thing better than J.K. and the other person does one thing better than J.K., doesn't that make them, like, I mean, it's still worse when it's on the field, right? Unless you find somebody who does both things better. Yeah, the, the thing, like, it is true. I think they're both better blockers than J.K. because J.K. was very small and these guys are not small. But hasn't J.K. done a really good job? I've, I've been reading about him in the league a little bit too about how well he's been picking up blitzes and how I have much no idea of them. I don't watch the Ravens. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that he was actually a pretty proficient blocker. He was not in college, um, but I think these guys will be better better than him doing that in college. And I guess Sermon's a better pass catcher. I don't know. Dobbins is an okay pass catcher. The Fiesta Bowl, notwithstanding uh, the the. The thing that J.K. does the best is something that I don't think either of these guys do, and that's like elusiveness, suddenness, jump cuts, you know, lateral acceleration, that kind of stuff. And um, the vision to employ it. The vision to do it, right. And, and also, he at least last year, wasn't this way in 18, but last year he was also really good at picking up yards after contact, which is something that I think both Master Teague and Trey Sermon both can do a little better. So. Um, I don't think it's possible that they're a collective upgrade, but I do think they'll be okay. And I think collectively maybe they can approach something similar, but it's not going to be better. Yeah, I don't think it's better. I, I think the hope for Ohio State is that the two of them combine into a proficient enough running attack where they can get by offensively without J.K. anymore. And I think that is acceptable. But, you know, every position group is always better than the last one. And I think the running back, I think we got to draw the line on that one. Ohio State, too many good players. Alex D has a question about the freshman receivers. Shocked. How do I'm you shocked you included it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this was this is like a different way of talking about it. I think this is admitting that maybe they won't all be Randy Moss from the jump. How do you think the freshman receivers perform? Will there be many instances of miscommunications or drop passes, or do you think they are ready for life in the Big Ten right out of the gates? I think the ones that play will be ready. Was there any miscommunication or anything with Garrett Wilson last year? I can't really remember him having a slow start. And I feel like once you get into the rotation and you play a lot, that is the coaching staff expressing that they feel you've done enough in practice and have proven yourself enough in practice to get into the game. 
So I think it's very easy to lump these receivers together because they're all really good and they all came in together. But I think it's certainly probably the expectation that one or two will jump out ahead of the other two and thus will play more. And you expect once they're on the field for that stuff not to happen. So I think Garrett Wilson did a phenomenal job last year. I saw, again, that catch that he made in the Fiesta Bowl. And granted, that was at the end of the year. But, man, unexpected tangent here too, Bill. We're on the other side of the field in the press box. I did not realize how insane that catch was until I saw it again. Like, in being there in person, that was a pretty – that was an incredible catch. Um, And what he did in the Michigan game, I think Garrett Wilson shows you what kind of prospect um, these guys are because they're similarly rated and also how advanced a lot of these guys are by the time they get into college. Now, what I think would be interesting is whether or not um, some of these freshmen would, you know, considering the fact that they had such an odd end of their careers – you know, have any developmental issues as a result of that because of Corona and less time with the team and all the things that, you know, come along with that. But still, I think at that position, receivers, obviously one of the more natural ones to, to kind of break into earlier in, the, in your career to begin with. And then two, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, uh, relationships with Justin Fields and running routes and stuff. And from my understanding is they were still doing some of that stuff. So, you know, I, I expect them to be the ones that crack the lineup to be ready to go. Garrett Wilson played uh, 29 snaps in the opener, 21 against Cincinnati, and it got higher for the most part from there. He played 35 against Clemson, 43 in the Big Ten Championship. He wasn't targeted at all in the opener, once against Cincinnati, and then it was like between two and four times a game, but a little more consistent toward the end of the year. So I, I think he did get out of the out of the blocks a little slow. And maybe that's not the right way to put it, but he had older guys in front of him, so like he wasn't an immediate part of the passing game. And I think that could be the same with these guys because Chris Olave is going to get a ton of targets and play a ton of snaps. Garrett's going to get a ton of a ton of targets. Um, I think Jamison Williams is the third receiver, and then you start talking about the freshman. So they'll play. I don't think all four of them are going to be ready for like the bright lights from the jump, and that's okay. And I do think you have to consider the fact that there was not a normal spring. There wasn't really a normal camp. And, you know, college is different. Even for a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigbu at a 5,000 receiving yards playing 6A football in Texas, like when he gets on the field against Nebraska, it's going to be different. Now, when he goes out there and he has six catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, he can throw that back in my face. But um, it goes back to a lot of the things we talk about. Like, I I don't don't assume that they're all going to roll out there and be awesome and there's not going to be any hiccups. I think there will be hiccups, and I think that's understandable. So I think you'll see flashes from one or two of them against Nebraska because there is opening for them to play. But... It's not easy. While I agree that receiver has an easier transition, it's still not easy. Um, so I think they'll they'll be a little bit of a learning curve. But I also fully expect by you know mid year that one or two of these guys are like no doubt about it, part of the plan and playing a lot and getting getting a decent amount of targets. But I don't know if I expect it from the jump. I think you're going to see a lot of Olave, Wilson, and, and Juice Man against Nebraska. Even if those guys were ready, I still hope that that would be the case. Yeah, as much Juice Man as possible. You are really bought. You really bought in. All it takes yeah. is one film study, and the guy is already in the number one in the fan club. I mean, what's going on here? I think it's just the nickname. Yeah, I mean that definitely is part of it. Yeah, I don't, I'm I'm ready to be hurt. Let me tell you that much. After like, <laughs> it's been it's been four years. It's been four years of Demario. I've moved on. Tate's not playing football. I need the juice man to come through for me. <laughs> I got nothing going right now. Bill's fantasy football team name is Tank for Tate. No, I changed it now because now I got all Eagles, so now we're just called the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, good one. <laughs> we were tacking for Zach Wilson, too. We stopped tanking for Tate. Zach Wilson's filled that hole in my heart. 
Next question from Josh B. Is there a freshman that you would have as a sleeper pick outside of the receivers, which is a good clarification. Sleeper pick for a great year or one that can have limited snaps most of the season and then break out toward the end of the year like Chris Olave did two years ago? I think it's very easy when you get a question like this to just automatically jump to offensive skill position players. Um, but that's not who I thought of initially. And, and you tell me if I'm nuts on this one, all right? The mm-hmm. first person who jumped into my head was Darian Henry. And there's a need yeah. for interior defensive line with the uncertainty of how Teron Vincent and Haskell Garrett are going to be um, in terms of their health. And I know and I understand that being an interior defensive line as a true freshman is a really hard thing to do. And maybe he's physically not going to be able to do that. But I went to his high school and I interviewed that kid. That kid is gigantic. And he's a top 150 player, I think, off the top of my head. And I just think that there is a potential for him to play limited snaps in the beginning of the year. And as Ohio State progresses, maybe has a few blowouts under their belts, some snaps for him to get at the end of the game and to kind of develop himself that maybe by the end of the year that he might be an essential piece of the Ohio State's interior defensive line. Um, And if you think it's nuts and this has to be about skill position players and maybe Mayan Williams would be another one considering there seems to be a – potential for a freshman running back to maybe get a few carries maybe have a few big games at the end of the year but even him to me is more of a developmental guy that might not be ready to you know take charge and and, uh, he's not the jk dobbins version of running back that jk was when he was a freshman so henry to me seems like the most natural selection of this one i'm really proud of you man you didn't pick a skill guy yeah kind of took it away from me in the question but i thought you might try to finagle your way in there anyway good job Wait, I, think I mean, this is, this is gross. Is running back skill? Yeah, that running counts. back is skill. Yeah, yeah, no, but but that wasn't where you went to first. You went first. You, you went to the defensive line, and I respect that. Yeah, I know, but you it also an offensive line. My first but, time yeah. doing the defensive line and coming out and not just leaning on the skill position players might also just be a completely irrational take, and there's no way he's physically ready. So you you put me in check if you think I'm off there. No, I'm not. I also picked a defensive lineman. Um, I picked a different one. My, I think under normal circumstances, my answer to this would have been Court Williams, but he's out for the year with a torn ACL. Um, and the other freshmen that have been talked about outside of the receivers and the quarterbacks, like they were, they've been talking up Cody Simon and Mitchell Melton a lot, but I just – I mean, there's so many linebackers already. I don't, I don't see those guys playing anything other than special teams. Um, I picked Ty Hamilton for many of the same reasons that you picked Darian Henry, and, and Darian Henry is probably a better pick because he was a higher-rated prospect. But Ty, I don't know. He lost his black stripe early, and that maybe doesn't that that doesn't mean much. Larry Johnson talked pretty highly of him. Ty's put on like thirty pounds since he's since he's got to campus. I think he can play both defensive tackle spots, and, and they kind of need help with both. So I don't think Ty Hamilton flashes right away, but I think he plays early out of necessity, and then maybe with that he gets comfortable and becomes what Josh was asking at the at the tail end of his question, a guy that by the end of the year is sort of more solidly in that rotation and playing a little more and, and looking good doing it. So, But I think Hamilton, Darian Henry, um, Jacoby Cowan, like any of those freshman defensive tackles, defensive ends, whatever you want to call them, I, I think are solid picks here because of the needs that Ohio State has. Yeah, cool. We agree. So I feel like we're doing this a lot lately. I think it's the distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absence makes the, makes the heart grow fonder or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, here's a good one. I'm, I'm very curious about your answer to this I'm one. I'm very curious about your answer to this one. If, from Andrew J, if you got challenged to an eating competition but got to make the rules, what are you eating and what's the structure of the contest? Okay. Um, so during quarantine, I went into a really black hole, uh, really dark hole at home, and I was watching YouTube videos of eating competitions just because I think it's crazy how much some of these people, how much food these people can put down. 
Yeah. And like my initial gut reaction to this question was chicken nuggets. But then I realized that eating that much deep fried food, A, is probably the most detrimental to your health. And B, would probably become the least enjoyable over time. And I was reminded of somebody who tried to take down an entire um, deep dish pizza, but like three of them, like Chicago style deep dishes, not the cop out at cleveland.com, but a real one. (laughs) That's what I thought you were talking about. (laughs) No, and I feel like a pizza challenge would be good. Um, And I feel like a lot of these competitions come with time limits, which I think kind of takes away from it. I don't want to be a speed eater. I wouldn't want to try to eat as much as I could. Um, you know, obviously you need to have a, uh, a regulation on time, uh, because if you take too long, then it kind of takes the point out of it, but I wouldn't want to be in a position where I feel like I have to eat as fast as I can. So I think I would go with my favorite food on the planet, which would be pizza. And I would do it maybe in an hour and a half or 90 minute regulation period and try to smash, um, one of those obscenely large, uh, hand tossed pizza you know, challenges of some of the ones that you might see in Jersey that take up an entire kitchen island (laughs) or try to do a deep dish challenge because a, I just love the food and b the, the, the difference between the, the texture of the cheese and the crust, I think would give you a nice break from back and forth. Um, and it just would be enjoyable to enjoyable to eat a lot of pizza. Um, I don't know if that's a bad answer, but I hate, it grosses me out when people are like, I know everybody loves the 4th of July hot dog eating contest and, Somebody, you know, they had a man, a, a man one and a woman one this year, and one of the women ate like three hot dogs in like ten minutes, and I was like, I could eat three t- leisurely. <laughs> How do you only get down three? I was offended by that, but it also grosses me out when they're like dipping the bun in water and choking and stuff. I don't like that. I want yeah. to, I, I want to do uh, mass eating, and I want to be a glutton about it, but I don't want to choke. Yeah, you want like in, like endurance, not not speed. Yeah, I want to run the marathon. I don't want to win a race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you want to, Yeah, it's not the hundred meter. Yeah. Um, my so, are you familiar with what wing bowl is? Uh, no, I think I might actually, but just remind me anyway. And so, wing, wing bowl, wing bowl was created in Philadelphia, like in the nineties, I think, early nineties, I think. Um, one of the local radio stations created it because the idea was like the Eagles were never going to go to the Super Bowl. So they created this thing called Wing Bowl that they held on the Friday before the Super Bowl that started in like a hotel ballroom. And then by the end, they held it in the arena where the Flyers and the Sixers play and like 20,000 people showed up at five o'clock in the morning to watch a bunch of fat people eat as many chicken wings as possible. And at the end, it, there was like a lot of like competitive eaters like Joey Chestnut showed up and uh, Takashi, the the other yeah. the former champ, like was there. And like they're eating like 400, 500 wings. Like that's insane. But before that, when it was mere, more pure, uh, people were eating like 100 wings, 150 wings. And I think I could do something like that. Um, I believe the format was like a 15-minute period or 20-minute period, eat as many as you can, take a break, and then the top eaters from that first period advanced to the second period and they did another 20 minutes and then ate as much as you could. And then whoever put down the most wings in both periods combined won the title of Wing Bowl champion. And now I don't think I could do it, but when I was in my eating prime, I think I could approach 100 wings. I once ate 72 in probably an hour at a bowling alley party when I was like 13. Um, <laughs> it developed good habits young, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The girls at the party were really impressed with me, let me tell you about it. <laughs> so uh, I think I think that's where I would go. I think I do. I want to go back in time and go to, the, to, to an old school wing bowl and see how many wings. I feel like. Down. It would be too harsh. If the flavor is too harsh, I, I would get burnt out. 
I, I get burnt out on on like buffalo wing sauce. I wouldn't hang at all if that's if they're buffalo flavored. I'd be dead. Yeah, I think it's like a mild buffalo sauce. It's not. I don't think it was super hot. Um, but the thing with the thing with Wing Bowl was to qualify, you had to do like crazy eating stunts at the radio station, like eat five Big Macs in five minutes or something stupid like that. Joey Chestnut ate, I think, forty Big Macs in like twenty minutes on YouTube. I watched that during quarantine, and yeah, I disgusting. tried to think of like how many Big Macs I think I could eat, and I think I would be done after four. I don't think I. I, I honestly don't know if I could do more than two. You could. Come on! I mean, if I you could, were hungry, but you could, like, yeah. But if I always had to eat them fast and in, in a like crunch crunch time, no, period, no, I just know. leisurely eating them. I think I could eat four or five. I wonder how many uh, McDonald's chicken nuggets I could eat. We did an eating challenge with Doug, our old um, Buckeye talk back in the day, where he ate a bunch of uh, um, was it Chick Fil A nuggets, and I don't remember Chick-fil-A how many. Nuggets. How many did he, he put like, down? He he got a tray of a hundred, but I think by the time he started eating them, there was like eighty something left, and I don't think he got through all of them. But Doug, if you're listening to this, feel free to correct us. Yeah, but he he ate more than fifty of those. Yeah, yeah, no, he ate a lot. I just don't think yeah. he finished the whole tray. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like I could eat all hundred. Yeah, I think I could do hundred. In in the t- in the time it takes to record one podcast, I think I could eat all hundred. My Sounds girlfriend like would break fun. up with me if she found out, though. We have we have we have future podcast fodder. Yeah, podcast fodder. Um, okay, let's get back to some football questions. Richie K. I know it's hard to make an accurate assessment without the official depth chart, but if you had to guess, who will end up being the defensive player of the game for Ohio State against Nebraska? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You're going to give some like in-depth X's and O's. Well, Nebraska runs the swinging gate, and this person's going to be. I, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, I'm not. I think Tyreek Smith is going to be the breakout player of the year on the defensive side of the football. So I'm just going to lay up and say I think he's going to assert himself as Ohio State's new sack king. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. Um, I was between two things. Like it was Marcus Williamson slash whoever's covering Wandale Robinson or. Baron Browning, if they're going to try to use him to spy Adrian Martinez, because I do think that Nebraska is going to try to test Ohio State's defense, uh, the defense's ability to stop the quarterback run, because that was a problem for them over the latter part of the year last year. And I would hope that Ohio State got it fixed, um, but I fully expect Nebraska to make sure <laughs> that, that Ohio State got it fixed. So um, I'll go with Marcus Williamson and, and say that he's going to have a, a, a he's going to have to have a big day, I think, covering Wondell Robinson to. It's a big for test for him right out of the gate, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I think, you know, it's okay if Ohio State's defense isn't dominant, but I think if it is dominant, it will be because Wondell Robinson couldn't shake Marcus Williamson. It's a good answer. Nathan Nathan W. would like to know, who will have the first rushing, receiving, or return touchdown on Saturday? Basically, he's asking the first player to score 
besides Justin Fields throwing a pass. I don't know what the prop is for this, but it's going to be Chris Olave. You know what I'm going with? Huh? Seven banks pick six. Yeah, I knew you were going to get I thought, well, just go with Jamison Williams for turn, uh, opening kickoff for a touchdown, and let's really go into it. That would be great, actually. I really think that they're going – I think it's going to be – like, if I had to bet, place a prop bet, I think it would be Olave. It just seems, like, poetic after what happened at the end of last year. You think they're going to take a shot for him early? I think they are going to make it. a concerted yeah. effort to do that early, yes. Yeah, I kind of agree the with sooner, that, that. The sooner to get the taste out of his mouth and get a new memory in there, the better for him. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's yeah, that's probably the odds on favorite. But uh, when Seven Banks is waltzing into the end zone on the first defensive drive, don't forget who told you it was going to happen. Yeah, it's always one of those things where you can just say some bullshit remark like that, and it's not going to happen. Yeah. But in the off sure. chance that it does, you become Nostradamus. <laughs> I wrote a, I wrote a story this week with season predictions where I said Justin Fields is going to get taken number one overall in the draft. Yeah, I Trevor saw Lawrence. that. What, what was going on there? Uh, I mean, I believe it. I wouldn't write it if I didn't believe yeah, it. But no, if I'm I wrong, I don't. I don't care if I'm wrong. Uh, I think. I was talking with somebody today, and they kind of they they set the record straight for me a little bit. But but my thinking when I wrote it was like that Justin Fields has not played a ton of football, like comparatively, especially to, Trevor Lawrence was a starter when he showed up in high school and started for four years, and he's basically the starter from the day he showed up at Clemson. Like once he beat out Kelly Bryant a few games into that season, he's played a lot of football. And he's very good. Uh, but my thinking along those lines is that Justin Fields still has a lot of room to grow, and I think he's going to get to like a new height this year, and. When I combine that with his athleticism and and his size, um, I think he's really smart. Which I just don't I don't think it's a given that Trevor Lawrence is number one overall. Maybe I'm nuts for thinking. Which player? Which player's game is most most suitable for what the NFL is going to look like in five years? Because I think that also has something to do with it. Um, yeah, and with the I way that know. Deshaun Watson is playing in the NFL right now and. I don't know if pro style. I mean, I guess Trevor Lawrence is actually pretty fast. As if you watched the Fiesta Bowl last year, so I'm not trying yeah, to take run. anything away from him. But I just feel like Justin Fields seems to me to be like the prototypical type of prospect for the direction of the NFL. I agree, I, and Trevor Lawrence is athletic as as I'll get out too. So I'm, I'm not taking that away from him. But I think Fields is more athletic, and and Trevor Lawrence's arm is like is special, freaky. Some of the stuff he can do, and that and throw I do he think had he can, on Saturday against Georgia Tech. Did you see that yeah. thing? Yeah, and he's done that. He's done that before too. He had one against Texas A&M last year. It was nuts. Um, kind of doing a similar thing, and it was a longer throw down the field with with better coverage. I want to see Justin Fields do some stuff like that. I guess my point is like I think Justin Fields will start doing stuff like that this year. Now that he's more comfortable in his own skin, comfortable in the offense, I think playing a little more freely, he will start doing some of that stuff. And then when he does, I don't know. I think it becomes a question at the very least of who's going to go number one overall. What was Justin Fields' best throw last year? The Garrett Wilson one at Michigan. Uh yeah, that was pretty good. You charted all those throws, didn't you? Or am I making that up? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, that was probably it. Like he had some really good throws from the from the far hash to the outs, outside the numbers. You like, mean like every throw that he had last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, he had a really good one against Penn State, like a an inside kind of uh, corner route to KJ Hill that was a really nice throw and really well timed. That I highlighted in the story that I wrote back in in April, whenever that was, but. Yeah, considering the moment, the the stage, what had happened leading up to it, and then to scramble and throw the ball that he did to Garrett Wilson, that, that's the best one. Yeah. Oh, this I, question. Well, I, I don't mean to interrupt you again. One more no, t- sorry, one more ahead. thing. Landis and I play in a developmental fantasy football league where we drafted Debbie players, and my I have Justin Fields and he has Trevor Lawrence, and my stock went up. 
because of his story. So I just wanted to say yeah. thank you. He's available, by the way. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. Yeah. I'll give you Ryan Fitzpatrick in a first form. Um, he got fired today. <laughs> poor guy. What's he going to do with that $8 million? Scott E. asked the question that uh, I thought, like, I read it and I was like, I thought you wrote this question. Scott E. says, money line for this weekend's game is minus 2200 for Ohio State. Is there any reason I should not bet $132 to win $6 and then treat myself to a filet of fish meal at McDonald's? Scott, where do you live uh, and do you want a friend? Uh, tweet at me or wherever you listen. Uh, just get in touch with me and let me know it was you that asked this because I think you might be my best friend. Sorry, Bill. Um, yes? No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I don't know. I, all these pe- these people who go out there and drop $66,000 to $1,000. Not you guys. Not me, man. Um, but if you're going to spend the six on filet fish I think you should treat yourself. Go for it. It can't lose. Yeah. I say go for it. I think it's a safe bet. I'd go for it. That's a free filet fish Reason I should not bet $132 to win six. There's really no risk here because if you lose 130 it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it could be. It's fine. Uh, along those lines, and maybe this will influence Scott's decision whether or not to place that bet, Ryan S. asked us, and we'll give our picks later, but is there any chances as a game on Saturday? No. No. I'm having a hard time saying it. Having a real, unless unless Adrian Martinez comes out like in full you know, QB God mode, which I'm, I'm not anticipating. I, I'm not Even seeing then. It. They don't have the players. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so either. There's a reason the spread's four touchdowns. So no, I, I don't, I don't. I think he's the Ryan in the question said like it was close in eighteen and it was, but high state's defense was terrible in eighteen. I guess it could be terrible. I mean, like are people like, what is what does close mean? Are people like envisioning Georgia's first weekend? Like what is what what would that look like? Um, and is there a game that's happened this year that you would like compare it to? Because I remember Georgia, um, their opener. Uh, was really really bad and then they ended up covering the spread and winning by 100 anyway so i don't i don't even know who we would compare this to and i know that nebraska is a better opponent i mean at least by brand i don't know about team uh i just like don't even know what that looks like because arkansas actually turned out to be a pretty good freaking football team now um is nebraska the arkansas of the big 10 is nebraska the arkansas of the Big i, I 10? think in many ways yes. i think nebraska would lose to arkansas I would I would pick that right now too. Yeah. So I just don't. Is it going to be like a Purdue situation in Week One, Iowa situation? I don't know. Could it be? I'm not overthinking could it, it. Could it be a two possession game in the fourth quarter? I mean, I guess I, I don't know. What would the score be? I can't picture what the score. Uh, no, it, like it can't. 30, 38 to twenty four. I don't know. I mean, I guess. Or thirty-eight twenty-seven or something. I don't know. A you scenario think they're where give Nebraska up got the points ball. in three quarters. No, like a scenario where Nebraska has the ball with enough time left that they're going to have it back twice. They're going to have it back twice, and they're down by two scores. So kind of like the Penn State game last year. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. So bet that one. We'll eat if they don't. I guess, but I, 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 I yeah. When we get to my pick, you'll see what I think. 
Kyle M. asks, my brother attends Penn State, and my dad was telling me about how they add marinara sauce on a Philly cheesesteak somewhere near campus. I want to know Bill's opinion on it since you attended Penn State and grew up in Philadelphia. Bill, before you answer this question, I just want everybody to know that when I read this the first time, I read it as marijuana sauce. <laughs> I don't know why. Marijuana like, sauce. I was like, what the hell is marijuana sauce? Because it was so foreign to me that they would put marinara sauce on a cheesesteak. So take it away, bud. I don't know. Like when I was growing up, we we had pizza steaks, which was just chopped up cheesesteak meat, mozzarella cheese, and marinara sauce, and we ate that. I ate that all the time. Don't they have so those at I, like Charlie's and Debella's and stuff too? Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's weird. Like I don't, I wouldn't go get like a cheesesteak with whiz and then put marinara sauce on it. But I think like provolone or mozzarella cheese pizza steak is is perfectly acceptable. I, I, it's not that strange. I don't know what exactly place what place he's talking about, but it's probably every cheesesteak place there you can get marinara sauce on it if you wanted it. I think Wiz is so, I'm awful, but there's no way that Wiz and Wiz goes with marinara sauce. There's no world where you can make that jive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's uh, that's not going to work. Provolone though. Yeah. Doctor it up, baby. I'll be over in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Next question is from Tyler S. He asks, if you were a defensive coordinator, how would you approach stopping this Ohio State offense? And then he says, he added to this, he said, Ari, your answer can I would only recruit. Spend, <laughs> spend the prior three or four years recruiting the best defensive talent. I would spy the heck out of Justin Fields. I would play zone coverage, and I would lose. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, a tough problem. Like, I mean, if if the if the answer is not recruit better players um, to match them talent for talent, then then it's a tough it's a tough day of sledding. I, I think you're right. I think I think you mix your coverages and try to confuse Justin Fields. Um, I think you test an Ohio State offensive line that was a little shaky in pass protection at times last year, and and Justin Fields himself wasn't great. I think at you know identifying where pressures were coming from, changing the protection uh, to to account for that. So. Uh, I, I think he's they'll be better at that this year. But you know, if I'm coming out in game one and I saw those things pop up last year, I, I try to kind of poke that and, and, and see where that's at. But he's, Justin Fields is just so athletic at quarterback that you can come after him, and he's pretty poised in the pocket, and he's healthy now. So you know, you run the risk of him escaping and running 40 yards down the middle of the field. So um, I, I don't think it's anything anything crazy. You just try to confuse the quarterback and, and hope he can get after him a little bit. Um, and it's what we goes. We went back to what we talked about in the last episode with with these high flying offenses and what you can do to stop them. I, th- I think not much if you're not harassing the quarterback. So like if Mac Jones is back there and you're not getting pressure on him, he's going to just play pitch and catch with his three receivers and the same deal with Justin Fields. But Justin Fields on top of that adds that he can run himself. And you know, there's people out there that'll have you believe he runs a four three flat. I don't think that's the case, but he's pretty damn fast. So. Um, it's hard. It's hard unless you got five stars, four and five stars all over the field like Ohio State does. Last question from Oswad. Oswad I. I apologize if I'm uh, pronouncing that wrong. Given some better depth at quarterback this year and perhaps a bit less talent at running back, how do you expect to see Justin Fields used as a runner? Do we see him keep more on read option looks and design QB runs, or is the receiver room so good that we see them opt for the Dwayne Haskins-like game plan with 35-plus passes a game? I feel like this is kind of a weird question because I, I think that it'll be a, a quite a bit the same as last year where there's no necessity for it. But at the same time, you and I both have spoken at length about how Justin Fields can develop into a superstar and take that next level as like just a freak athlete who is a all-around refined athlete. And I think in order for him to take that next step fully and become that 
magnetic force that you have to watch that that guy who celebrates a little bit more the more outspoken guy that like running has to be a part of that right so yeah. it's kind of a weird dynamic between you want him to get out there and make plays and do everything that he can do um, with his legs but on the same to- on the same side of the coin you also don't want to injure the guy and it happened last year so I think protecting him is the utmost importance and I think as a result of that they're still going to probably pump the brakes on putting him in, in harm's way. So I think that there might be more scrambles, more uh, yeah. you know freelancing in a, in a way to, to kind of make plays when things have broken down. But I think that the days of the Urban Meyer third and three off tackle quarterback dive is are, are long gone. And I don't really think they're going to call his number all that much. And really, I think it's possible that the carries could go down uh, for the running backs too. And this just might be a, a team that throws on third and three. I think they will throw more. They're not. I don't think they're going to throw 35 times a game like they were with Dwayne or whatever the number actually was. 35, I think, is, is pretty close to what it was. Um, I agree. I, I think more scrambles, not more court designed quarterback runs or called quarterback runs. Um, I do think there were many times last year where Justin Fields got outside of the pocket and kind of broke contain and held on to the ball looking to throw it downfield and, and either didn't and just tossed it out of bounds or, or sometimes took bad sacks. Um and I think you'd rather him throw out of bounds. But I also think, you know, if he's healthy and he's feeling a little more agile and he feels like his speed is as good as it's ever been, I think he might want to use his legs a little more when he gets out on the edge. So I think more more creativity from the quarterback, but not necessarily more let's just line up and run like quarterback power kind of stuff or even let's call read option kind of stuff. Because like the defenses know the threat. I, I think he's established himself as that. You don't have to you don't have to go out there and run him a lot to get teams to respect it. They already respect it. So um more creativity, more passing, but not quite to the extent of, of Dwayne Haskins in 2018. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Thank you guys for your questions. Again, theathletic.com slash forward dash six gets you $1 per month. You can submit your questions there. We ask for it um, every week. There's a little forum there. You can put your questions in. We appreciate everyone sending them in. This week, we will have our game picks for Ohio State versus Nebraska in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, a conversation with Ohio State commit Jack Sawyer. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Very pleased to have on this episode of 4 to 6 with A and B. He is a five-star defensive end from Pickerington North High School. Young man who caused quite a stir whenever Meyer offered him as a true freshman a couple years ago. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. Now he's a few months away uh, from officially joining the Ohio State program. Jack Sawyer joins us. Jack, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. 
for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate you being here. Uh, we have a few things we want to talk with you about, but I think that the thing that's at the front of, of everyone's mind um, right now heading into this weekend, other than Ohio State actually opening its season, is you and a bunch of guys in the class of, of 2021 are getting together this weekend. Um, you obviously can't do official visits, but what, what's the itinerary you're calling at the Buckeye Bash? Um, how many guys do you think are going to be there, and, and, and what's on the docket for this weekend? Yeah, I mean, like you said, we we didn't get to have our official visits uh, due to the you know extended dead period, which kind of sucked uh, for us. Twenty twenty one guys who've been committed for a long time uh, haven't really been able to get to see each other. So I kind of just put it together by myself. You know, the guys were down, and uh, so I, I think we got for sure at least ten people said they're coming for sure. Uh, so we're just gonna you know they're gonna come over, we're gonna hang out, uh, find a little spot to eat, watch the game at, and kind of just kicking you know uh, just kind of keep building a bond. You know, get a, get a, to meet a couple of people I haven't met, uh, commit-wise, uh, that I've committed do- during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic since we haven't been able to see each other on campus. So it's kind of what we're going we're gonna to be doing this weekend. So uh, you, I, I was wondering, all I really care about for me personally is what's on the menu this weekend. And you, you mentioned that you guys are going to go somewhere to, to, to watch the game. But I was wondering, your family owns a food truck, right? You guys aren't just going to get the truck and pull it out front of the house and cook yourselves? Uh, no, that's why I, I told my mom that too. But she was like, "Nah, you know, that'd be too much work." I was like, "All right, that, that makes sense." So uh, I think everyone's good. It's going out to eat, but definitely the the food truck would would be very good this weekend if uh, my mom was willing to do it. I was looking at some of those uh, some of those items on the grilled cheese grilled cheese menu. They look pretty legit. Oh, they're they're very legit. They're very good. I like them all. Is really. it the grilled cheese truck? Yes, sir. Landis, yep. we ate at that grilled cheese truck out behind my apartment one time. You remember that? The grilled cheese gangsters. Yeah, I've, I've eaten yeah. that. Really? What'd you eat? Uh, What'd you get I, I don't, I, I'm kind of a wuss and I only like plain. Uh, but I remember. Don't tell me you got the OG. The I think I got the OG, cheese. man. Did I, did I? Oh, man. Come on. Hey, hey. You could have got buffalo chicken. You could have got mac and cheese and pulled Landis, pork. Landis, didn't you get the buffalo chicken one? Am I, am I crazy for yeah. remembering this? No, the buffalo chicken was. I think was I got the right. macaroni yeah. and cheese one, actually, now yeah. that you say it. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. I like both of those my my top two favorites. Wow. I, I mean, okay, well, that's it. Is anything else? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack, so um, I remember when I came and I wrote a story about you as a freshman, we talked about uh, you talked about your offer from Urban Meyer as a freshman at Tommy's Pizza. Remember that? Yes, sir. Uh, so yep. you take these kids over to Tommy's if you really want to be a good recruiter. We should. I should. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Might be a little spot we just, hit up that night. Yeah. Just think about it. That's that's what I was born on earth to do here. Um, but on a serious <laughs> note, Jack, it's got to be pretty tough to be a, a, a recruit at this time. And you know, you had been rec- recruited for a long time, and you had been committed for a long time. So this might not necessarily apply to you because you knew where you were going. But how tough do you think it is for some of your classmates who have never been to Ohio State? How about uncommitted prospects that haven't been to Ohio State? And just like. How tough is it just to be a highly rated prospect during a time where you can't do anything? I mean, like you say, you know, it's it's never been you know seen before. Uh, obviously, in the recruiting world, you know, there's never been a shutdown uh, or a dead period extended this long. So, like you said, it kind of sucks for a lot of guys who don't know where to go right now, and they they kind of need this time to take visits, uh, you know, to really find out where you know they want to go. And um, I guess that's kind of why uh, you know I'm fortunate enough that I've been there a few times. But guys like Tristan Lee and bunch of other dudes who are uncommitted uh they, you know this would be a big time for us to have them down on campus during games and whatnot and kind of interact with them on campus uh 
you know, on the actual, like the game, the field, you know, all that stuff. So uh, it's just kind of, it's, it's just kind of sucks for them, I guess. Cause you know, I mean, they gotta, they kind of gotta get a feel for schools over, over uh, virtual um, visits and stuff like that. So it's kind of just unfortunate for them, I guess. You know, you mentioned Tristan Lee and he's obviously one of Ohio state's top remaining targets or has been for a while. Um, how, what's the reason for this, for this trip? Is it for you to get to know people? Are you helping Ohio state finish their class? And if, if he comes and when he comes, what's the message from a leader of the class like yourself to try to, you know, help Ryan day close on him? Yeah. So I mean, the, the whole point of this, this week is kind of to get the commits really is what we, we were focusing on, but then, you know, like, well, might as well invite some of the guys who are kind of looking at us still that are top targets that we want to join in our class. So kind of guess the message for him is just, you know, you know, look at the class we have already, you know, so, the best in the country and you're going to come and compete against the best defense lineman. Uh, you know, it's going to be iron sharpens iron. So I just think it's the best thing for him. You know, my personal, you know, preference, obviously I, I chose Ohio state. So uh, just trying to sell him all the points that I chose Ohio state for, you know, great academics, great football tradition, obviously. And uh, they put a lot of offensive linemen in the pros as well. So uh, kind of sells itself in its own, its own right. But, no, I guess it kind of it kind of just depends on what he's feeling. Um, have you been have you read and, and seen like the Oklahoma one and the LSU one? Have you paid attention to the to the unofficial unofficial visits from those weekends? Uh, you know, not too much. Uh, I just saw it on like little headlines on Twitter and whatnot of uh, what they've been doing and what, all that stuff. So I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but I definitely saw it and read about well, it a little bit. Basically, I, I guess a lot of the prospects who have participated in these types of visit weekends have said that at times they could even be more valuable than a regular weekend because. There's not much distraction about logistics of going from A to B and uh, shout out to the show and, you know, doing all the things that you have to do on an official visit, right? Like talk to the coaches and right. do, go from here to there. And it's really about relationship building. Is that as as one of the leaders of this class that you think that this was an important thing to do, just not even just to try to get a commitment, but also to really get an idea of who you're going to be playing with and to to like enrich your experience as you guys are, are some of you a few weeks away from, from enrolling. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it was huge for all of us to be able to get down here. And uh, like I said, spend this weekend together and kind of just keep building that the chemistry and, uh, you know, keep building up that brotherhood before we even get in there here in a few months. So I think it was huge. You know, I think it's going to be big and, uh, you know, hopefully it, it even, you know, makes some guys who haven't visited yet, like Evan Pryor or uh, Travion Henderson, uh, make them love Ohio state and, uh, you know, the surrounding city as much, just as much um, as they did before. Jack, um, you're in a different situation than a lot of those guys because you're, you're from Columbus and you spent a ton of time around the Ohio State program. But if you could maybe, maybe try to put yourself in the shoes of a guy like Tristan, or, or I guess Tristan's been here too, but an uncommitted player or a guy like Trevion who, who's not been in Columbus yet, like how much do you think something like this could, could matter in making someone feel more comfortable with their college decision? Yeah, I think it, I think it plays a good, you know, a big role in it. Um, you know, I think it's it's a big weekend for him to get down here and kind of kind of see what all of us are like, all of us commits that he's going to be playing with here in college, and uh, just kind of see what the city is cities like around it too. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be big for those guys. Uh, definitely, it's going to be important for you know the dudes who are already committed who haven't visited, like you said, like Travion. So uh, definitely, just want to make them feel at home and uh, show them around, and uh, you know, just make them make them love it that much more. I know um, Ohio State is, is being – the university is being pretty strict about who can even get near the stadium on, on Saturday for the game day, but do you guys have any plans to to tour the campus at all to kind of see what that's like or, or tour the city at all so those guys can get a real feel for Columbus and I guess not just a, a feel for Pickerington and, and around your house? Yeah, no, definitely. Like you said, we're, I think we're we're getting something to carry all of us around, you know, something big that can we can all fit in. 
Uh, you know, my dad plans on driving us around, showing them, showing a bunch of people a bunch of different stuff, and uh, maybe even trying to find a spot on campus to watch a game at. Uh, you know, like a, a food joint down on campus, to watch a game at, and uh, you know, soon as it's over, just show people around. Uh, all, all self-led by us and the other commits, so uh, nothing to do with you know, because we're not allowed to have any contact or any right. you know, direction lift from the coaches. So uh, definitely, just I, I think we're planning on showing a bunch of people around. Jack, I'll um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead, Ari. Do you spend time – I know that people are going to view this as, like, you trying to actively recruit other prospects. Do you spend a lot of time on Twitter and DMs talking to people and, you know, trying to help Ohio State recruit? Like, do you speak with JT Tuimalau and Emeka Agbuka and some guys that are still um, on Ohio State's board? Yeah, so I definitely do. I definitely do reach out to a lot of those guys a lot. Um, you know, I definitely used to a lot more because now, you know, with this class kind of coming, you know, coming around, coming full – uh, my, my perspective now is, look, we want the guys who want to come to Ohio State. Um, you know, I want to play with guys who want to come to Ohio State, not guys who have to beg and, uh, you know, all that stuff, which, which we, I understand, too. You know, you got to make the right decision, so it takes time. But uh, like I said, I think that my, my, my approach kind of has been changing a little bit the last the past four months that, you know, really, if you want to come and be a part of this, then, then let's do it. If you don't, then, you know, it's kind of your, your, your opinion or your, your choice. So uh, really – uh, we just want the guys who want to be a part of this brotherhood and a part of this this legacy we're about to build. Jack, you've had um, a pretty interesting few months. You know, absent of this Buckeye bash, you guys are all putting together. You had made the decision to to not play your your senior year of high school, and and at the time, it looked like maybe you'd have a chance to play in the winter if the, if the Big Ten had played in the winter. Then obviously that changed, and the Big Ten's playing this fall, and and you're still kind of doing your thing and and just sort of getting ready for college. Um, what when the Announcement happened, I guess, that the, the Big Ten wasn't going to be playing in the winter, that it was going to be playing this fall, that you weren't going to have that opportunity out there as soon as you enrolled. Did you give any thought to, you know, opting back in, I guess, for lack of a better term, to your high school season? And, you know, what have you been doing, I guess, over the last few months to kind of stay football ready if you're not playing, you know, week to week in games? Yeah, you know, I definitely, you know, I would I would be lying if I said I didn't give it any thought uh, to opt back in, you know, because, you know, anyone who knows me knows I want to be out there and, you know, competing with, you know, the you know whenever I get the chance. So, uh, you know, I definitely thought about it a little bit, but uh, you know, with the nutrition plan I'm on and my workout plan, you know, all the the progress I've made, and then uh, by the time that that decision was made, it was already about halfway through the season. So, I didn't really see it, you know, any any benefit to me joining back in or opting back in. So, I, I just want to stay with my plan. I'm working out about four to five times a week, uh, and I got a nutrition plan too that I follow pretty strict. Uh, I've put on about 10 pounds of muscle already, so, I mean, it's going well, and I just want to keep, you know, getting ready and be prepared as much as possible when I walk through the doors. Jack, was there ever a moment in time, and maybe during the time when they canceled the Big Ten season, where you thought there was a chance that you could play as a true freshman in the fall as soon as January? And, like, did you talk to the Ohio State coaches about that? Like, was that ever in your head? Oh, yeah, that definitely, you know, it definitely was in my head. You know, as soon as we found that news out that the season could be being played in January or, you know, as late as Feb early February as well, uh, you know, that's that kind of kind of pushed my decision a little bit too, uh, you know, because at that at that chance, you know, I want to be able to walk in and, uh, you know, be ready to compete at least, you know, even though it's so early on and be immediately, you know, rather than having that six months to work out with Coach Mick and Coach Johnson. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, – yeah, you know, it definitely played a little bit, you know, factor in it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it would have been crazy because I was talking with Coach. I remember talking with uh, Coach Hillerich, you know, my high school coach, about it. He was like, well, what if that does happen? I mean, would you be ready? And, you know, so. 
Would you? Uh, it was kind of crazy. Would you be ready? Would I be ready? Do you ready? think you could play if they ahead. played in January? Uh, you know, in my head, I think I could be ready. Uh, you know, I have that mindset that, you know, I think I'm big enough. I think I'm strong enough now. You know, I put on about 25 pounds since last season. So, you know, in my head, you know, I think I'm ready for, you know, Big Ten ball. So, uh, if that was to happen, I was to be able to play. You know, I think I would have come in there ready to play. Jack, I'm curious. Like you're a five-star defensive end who's committed to Ohio State, so and you know you know who you compare to when when, when that happens. Um, <laughs> but I, I am I am kind of curious about you know I, I assume you watch a lot of film of yourself and, and critique yourself in that way. But is there anyone else you watch film of, um, whether that's pro or, or or in college, where you try to pick up you know tricks of the trade or, or, or things you can kind of put in your bag for when you do get into college? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'll, I'll, obviously I watch a lot of the Bosa's. Uh, they're just so good with their hands and. Their technique to me is superior than, you know, all the rest of the defensive ends and, you know, that play football right now. So I watch a lot of them. I watch a lot, a lot of Chase Young's uh, junior junior year from college uh, this past year they had. It was all, everyone always already knows it was amazing. So watch a lot of that. I watch a lot of Khalil Mack too uh, to watch how he, you know, he uses that long arm to his advantage to be able to put those offensive linemen on their back. Uh, a lot of watch a lot of JJ Watt as well. So I kind of try to take a lot of. A lot of different parts and stuff from people's games to try to implement it in mine. I'm wondering if you know if you were if you were playing right now, would you have as much time to focus on that kind of stuff? And and you know, is a, is an un, unintended you know advantage of all this maybe that you're able to hone your craft a little more before you get to college because you can you know you're watching film all the time, you're working out, you're just like working on yourself rather than having to work it out, work, worry about who you're playing that week or what your job's going to be that week. Yeah, that played a lot of factor into uh, if I wanted to opt in or not as well. Because you know I'm getting, I have a ton of free time on my hands to kind of perfect my craft. Uh, you know, as I use a word uh, before I go in there to Ohio State. So, uh, you know, I don't think I'd have as much time. You know, if I did opt back in, because obviously, you know, practice and game film and school and stuff like that. So, uh, definitely gave me an opportunity to work on my game that much more. I've just been thinking about grilled cheese this whole time, Bill. Yeah, but I've been wondering it's, myself. If, it's, it's good, isn't it? You guys like it? <laughs> yeah. Is is the is the buffalo chicken uh, grilled cheese part of your dietary plan at the moment? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> well, that's not at all. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, then you just got bumped down to four stars, pal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I think. Yeah. You know, you're you still gotta you gotta put some lbs on. I would imagine, right? What? You, so yeah, that, that could help. Hey, definitely for. Definitely a good cheat meal, though. I, I pound a couple of those every once in a while, for sure. Can I ask one last question, Bill? Yeah. Um, a, I want to know what that diet that you are is, roughly. And then, B, I want to know how many chicken nuggets you think you could eat in one sitting. <laughs> uh, so, my diet plan, you know, I wake up, uh, I eat at 9.30, eat at 12.30, 3.30, 6.30, and 9.30 before I go to sleep again. So, I mean, about six to seven times a day. And uh, all those meals have about 40 grams of protein in it. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of fruits and vegetables that I usually haven't ate before in my life. Uh, so that's been different. It's been tough. But uh, and then how many chicken nuggets I can eat in one sitting? If I get spicy chicken nuggets from Wendy's, I can probably eat about forty in a sitting. Nice. If I if I was really trying, gonna, forty or fifty. He just got his fifth star back. Yeah. When I go to Wendy's in general and I get nuggets, I get thirty. So probably add on twenty. Oh, that's the go-to. Wait, so you're, when you're when you're it's it's a it's a Wednesday after school and you're like you know what I got to swing through Wendy's real quick you're swinging through Wendy's on a normal day and getting thirty nuggets I'm getting thirty spicy nuggets Love and uh, three, three cheese sauces to dip the nuggets in if you guys have never tried that go ahead and try mm. it 
It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Wow. We're learning things. I wasn't expecting to they learn say, how to live, but but I, I appreciate know. They that. say college kids are the future, though. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I feel much better. I feel better about Ohio State's chances. I feel better about the direction the world's headed now that I know Jack's eating 30 nuggets. And Jack, our podcast got better because of you, man. We appreciate you. Hey, no doubt. I'm happy I can help. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jack. And uh, good luck with your the rest of your work here before you get to Ohio State. And, and enjoy the weekend. Enjoy watching Ohio State opening season. Yes, sir. For sure. Appreciate you. Yeah, take it. care, man. Thanks, thanks again. Yes, sir. Our thanks again to Jack Sawyer for joining us on 4-6 to six with A&B. Before we get going into the weekend and Ohio State's season opener against Nebraska, we have to give you guys our picks. Noon kick in Ohio Stadium, the Fox crew, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, all those, all those people. Uh, maybe a slight chance of rain on Saturday. Nothing too crazy, though. Ohio State, I'm going with minus 26. Is that line good with you? Yeah. I don't know if it matters. Yeah. I think you're picking on the way 60. Yeah. Um, think- we'll go with Ohio State minus 26. What do you have? Uh, 51-17 Ohio State. We're very close in our score prediction. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how Ohio State doesn't get into the 50s. Yeah, it's only if they pull the I, – I, I forget if I said this to you off podcast or on the podcast that maybe they don't quite put the pedal to the metal. You said it off Nebraska the podcast, so say it again. Because, yeah, you know, they're, these are you know they're, they're best friends, Scott Frost and Ryan Day. They're kindred spirits who help get the Big Ten off the ground, and maybe Ryan Day doesn't want to totally embarrass Nebraska. So I think maybe it stays in the 40s. Maybe. So, like, 49? I mean, I, I'm at 40, I got 49-17. Yeah, I think that <laughs> Nebraska will get a few scores, but I think it'll be uh, very little in the way of competing. I think Ohio State would uh, will be up by – I think it's possible that Ohio State's spread will have it covered by halftime. I think I'm taking the points. I think the offense comes out looking great and, and, you know, exactly what we think it's going to look like. I do think there's stuff for Ohio State's defense to sort through, and, and Nebraska is equipped at least at a bare minimum level to to exploit some of that and maybe gets a big player too. Maybe Adrian Martinez gets a long run or something. I think they put a couple touchdowns on the board. But I do think if you are a person who watches uh, college football games with a vested interest that you could be sweating a backdoor cover late in the fourth quarter when Ohio State's up 49-17. I mean, if you are somebody who watches these games with a vested interest, you're sweating every game. So, <laughs> unless you bet Clemson last weekend, but that's just part of the game, you know. I I don't know. I, I, it's been the, – the line movement's been a little odd. It, it was opening at 23. It jumped to 26. It's been to 28.5, almost 29 on some sites, and now it's back down to 26.5. So, it seems like it's – you know, hovering right around four touchdowns. I think that we build our – I think the logo on their helmet is how we build this game up, and it's not about who they are. And, yes, in 2018 when Ohio State had the worst defense in the history of their program, it was a close game. But they're just not equipped physically to handle Ohio State. Uh, long summer for both and long off season for both as they stood hand-in-hand uh, hand trying to get the season back. But at the end of the day, I think Nebraska might wish that the season wasn't being played. Do you anticipate we see a decent amount of C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller? Um, I do. I do. I'm, I'm very curious to see how they handle both of them. I, I don't know. I think Ohio State's probably going to play their starters through three quarters. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I think If Nebraska scores close. 17 points, I think they play into the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be. I think forty nine seventeen is close enough that the starters stay in the game for basically the whole thing. 
maybe you see it. Maybe you see a drive at the end of one of the freshman quarterbacks, but I don't think you see, you know, CJ Stroud or Jack Miller like out there in the fourth quarter throwing it around and getting some good reps in. Yeah, we'll see. You can't. The thing that I, I want to—I'm going to scream at you right now—but you can't predict that Ohio State's going to average more than fifty a game and then not pick fifty in the first game. It's annoying. Like well, I, I can, and I just did. It's it's just like I picked forty nine. This just doesn't sit okay. well with me. Just say fifty okay. to well, seventeen, and just get it. You can let it. You can let it stew with you over the weekend, <laughs> and hopefully, you get over it by the next time we record. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. After the uh, we're, yeah, we're going to record uh, after Ohio State season opener. We'll be back with a little bit of a, of a game recap and. What we thought of, of our first look at the 2020 Buckeyes after what's felt like an eternity of an offseason. But we're excited. We get to watch football this weekend. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, another quick reminder before we end the show here of our daily Big Ten football podcast. The Big Football Show has been running all week. Debuted on Monday with Nicole Auerbeck and Scott Docterman, myself and Audrey Wasserman. I did it again. I almost called her Audrey Wasserman I on know, the show. I know. She told me about it. it. And now again, myself and Audrey Snyder on Tuesday. Uh, talking Big Ten East, Scott Docterman and Mitch Sherman on Wednesday, talking Big Ten West, Colton Pouncey and Austin Meek on Thursday with a little bit of a Michigan slant and also uh, um, some more thoughts on the Big Ten. And then Fridays, my counterpart here is giving you more picks with Jesse Temple. You got any hot ones? You got any hot tips for the people on Friday? I can't give it away right now, but I think Ohio State's going to be one of them. I feel very passionate about this. <laughs> I told everyone to fade your picks. Also, every single person on, on planet Earth who listens to this podcast – uh, was betting Ohio State um, regardless. I mean, I think Ohio State fans just auto-bet Ohio State every week anyway, and they at least win, you know, 80% of them because Ohio State's been very good at covering the spread. They were they were, they were were spread-covering monsters last year for yeah. the first eight weeks, weren't yep. they? Even when the spreads got really big. I think it was because Vegas took a while to adjust to how good they were. Is that happening again with this spread? I don't know. I, I think people... I think people think, well, they're playing Nebraska. That's a respectable program. 26 points is a lot. And it is, but 26 points gets erased in a hurry when things aren't going the right way. Trust me. (laughs) I'm aware of how fast that can go away. (laughs) Yeah, I think they might be a little off. And I think Ohio State covers um, and gets rolling. Gets the the season started in a way I think you'd hope to see them start the season. So I'll be there on Saturday in Ohio Stadium. Very curious to see what, what an empty horseshoe is like. We'll be back after the game um, early next week to recap that. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you then.